to talk about the Torah's proof, it's uh, worthwhile noticing the order of the Nisim that the Kuzari brings, the Chacham brings. You'll see it's very interesting and we'll learn something from that also. So we're holding in Oispeh Gimel. Amar the topic is even more amazing. Klai Yisrael was subjugated in Mitzrayim. How many people are we talking about? 600,000 men. 600,000 men over the age of 20, which were divided into 12 Shvatim. Not a single person escaped from Mitzrayim. Now just think about that for a second. That's an amazing thing. Now even in the, the, the Nazi Holocaust, there were a lot of escapes. There were a lot of survivors. Right? Not everybody was uh, fought, like held in a prison that they, most people were, but there were people who managed to escape and get out. In Mitzrayim, no one escaped. None of them went to any other country they couldn't. And... They didn't, ex- no, 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 goyim joined, so to speak, the ranks of Klai Yisrael. They are waiting for the promise that Hashem had promised the Abbas, Avram Yisrael Yaakov, to come true. Now, that wasn't a very likely thing which would happen on its own, because Eretz Kanan wasn't a no man's land. The Eretz Kanan, Hoysa Ba'esa, he bidei Sheva Umus, the Tachlis Hatzlacha Vachazoka. Eretz Yiknan at the time was the people who was inhabited. And not by Stam and Nomads, it was a very powerful war, warrior nations that were living in Eretz Yiknan. You see the whole way through the Midbar, I'm saying that Clash were always scared of them. So this idea that one day we're going to you know, take over Eretz Yiknan looked like a very far-fetched uh, dream. But they, you say they were waiting for it. They were waiting for it to happen, but it wasn't a likely thing to happen. But, because but, and, and is that the reason why they didn't try to escape? Because they trusted that why didn't they want to escape? So we spoke before that they couldn't. There was nowhere to go to spiritually because they were stuck with the Hashbar of Mitzrayim, like we spoke about. Also, like you said, those of them, those of them had a mona, and they were waiting for Hashem to redeem them, so there was no point trying to run. They were waiting for that. But the idea is trying to build is it wasn't something which is an easy thing to make happen. It wasn't like we're going to explore uncharted territory and take uh, you know, somewhere in distant Canada or somewhere where no one lives, right? We're talking about a place which was heavily populated by strong people. Ubene Yisrael, and at the time the Jews, they were poor and they were weak. And they were subjugated by Pari, who was killing their sons, who strung them to the river. Now, and therefore, like I said, the idea of them being able to escape from Mitzrayim and uh, uh, overcome the nations of Canaan in, so to speak, physical terms, natural terms, wasn't, it wasn't very likely. What happens? Mishalach Moshe Aaron, Imchul Shrasam, he sends Moshe and Aaron, who had no power, the connected Paroi, Imchiz And they stood against Paroi, who was a powerful ruler, Ba'isis of Amoifsim, Ovashinia Minhagim, they did things which were against the nature, all the plagues that they brought in Mitzrayim. Now, why is he pointing this out? There's something which is a part of the story which we have to think about also. It's an interesting thing. Moshe and Aaron didn't come with an army. They came defenseless. They came to give Pari a message. Pari was a powerful person. He was the king. We don't see Pari ever try to kill them. 
the Chayyim would be the most logical thing for him to do. You have these two people who are making you trouble. They're causing havoc in your kingdom. They're bringing plagues. Just kill them. Get it. Get it. You know, finished. What, what, what do you want them for? And uh, again, logically, we're talking again. Think in the mind of a despot. Think in the mind of a power-hungry like a monarch who's in control. What's going to stop them? Exactly. That's exactly the argument. If he's willing to kill, kill their children, so why wasn't he willing to kill them? <laughs> when you're talking about a Stalin, you're talking about a Hitler. Somebody who came to threaten him on the spot to kill him again. That's the end of the story. Power never tried. So Moshe and I didn't have defenses. They didn't come armed. They came to give him a message and they came to warn him we're going to punish you again and again. And Power like a lamb accepts it. Okay, please don't, please don't, but you know, please take the flags away. Why don't you do anything about it? says, why? Because power couldn't hide from them. He couldn't command his soldiers to do anything to hurt them. And not to do anything to prevent the plagues. With the water, arts in the land, in the air, all the things which grew, that was talking about the hell and the locusts, over the Hamtom, which all died, over Gufam, which affected their bodies, whether it was the lice, whether it was the shechin. And eventually, with their lives. All the Bukharim died. So There wasn't a single Mitri home which wasn't affected. The only ones who were spared from the next Bukharis of Nayisra. Now, the Khalamakas Ail Hoiba Ois of Azhara of Asra of a Moira Mistalkus. In other words, it wasn't random. Yeah. And now, he says, now the next point, and that is like this. Look, the Ramban points is the same point out in the Chumash as well. And the Kuzari, the Yudalevi says it over here. And that is, to say something out of the ordinary happens, la'achar ma'isa, right, is very easy. If someone comes along today and says, you know, the Quran is the Yad Hashem. It's something out of the norm. It's easy to say that. When we see something happen, which we're not used to, we haven't experienced before, it's very easy after to come along and say, yes, it's Yad Hashem, it's what this is uh, something which is a lesson, which I'm sure it is. But that's not a nice. What makes something a nice is it's predicted before what's going to happen. And not just predicted in the sense of, yeah, in the next few years there's going to be something which will happen. It's predicted exactly. And therefore, when Moshe came and told Pharaoh, tomorrow this is what's going to happen. And it happened exactly the way Moshe said. Right? So then that makes it into something which is, you see, a fulfillment of what the Navi is saying, that makes it into something which is miraculous. Right? Otherwise, there could be, you know, it's unlikely, but things could happen. There are locust plagues in the world. But when Moshe says it's going to happen today, and it's going to go away next week, and whatever it's going to be, this is exactly how it's going to happen. So the Ramban says in the Torah also, that makes it into something which we see Hashem orchestrating. When he tells us in Mirosh what he's going to do, we see it's being orchestrated. The Ramban says a very interesting line for this. The Ramban says, look at a big deal the Torah makes out of the, out of the, the birth of Yitzchak. Why? Because Sarah was 90 years old. And it's an amazing thing that a lady of 90 could have a baby. The Torah makes a tremendous nace. The birth of Yitzchak was an amazing miracle. Says the Rabban, if you work it out, Yocheved was born when Klaishal went into Mitzrayim. Moshe was 80 years old when Klaishal left Mitzrayim. They were there for 210 years. Which means, if you make the work out the mathematics, Yocheved was 130 when Moshe was born. Now, that's a much bigger miracle. If a lady of 90 can have a baby... It's one level of nice. A lady of 130 having a baby, that's uh, it's like nearly another third of her age. right? And the Torah doesn't say a word about it. It doesn't, no fanfare, no major event. Why not? It's a much bigger nest. Says the Ramban, the reason is, 
is because the birth of Yitzchak was predicted before it. And therefore when it happened, everyone saw the nest. Hashem said, Merosh, next year you're going to have a baby. He sent to Malachim to tell Avram, the next year, this time you'll have a baby. And it happens. I see fulfillment of a nevuah, I see a nest. But we don't see by Yochevah that it was predicted beforehand that Moshe was going to be born. And therefore, even though it's, it's for sure not in the norm, it's not something which is, uh, happens on a regular basis, but we, we don't see the same emphasis of Hashem doing because it wasn't predicted Merosh. And says, therefore, it wasn't just that the Makkah happened. It was each Makkah was predicted. Exactly what's going to happen, then it happens. Why? Kadeshi Yisbarer, so if we clear to the Mitzrim, Kihem Bechavana Me'eseloika. They weren't random events. It was planned and it was, it was meant to happen. He can do what he wants, when he wants. It wasn't natural. Not because of using the powers of astrology or witchcraft or anything else. It was uh, exactly what was meant to happen the way Hashem wanted it to happen. Okay, so what's the, so far, the first part of the story. What's the Chacham told us about the 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 nace of Yitzhak Mitzrayim? He said three things. Number one, the first part he said, is that Klaishul weren't in a position to do anything on their own. You see, they didn't even try. For 210 years that they were there, they didn't try escape, they didn't try revolt, there was nothing for them to do. So it wasn't that Klaishul left Egypt in any means of their own strength or their own the, on their own initiative. But we, it needed... That's the best example of how unsuccessful it was to try. Like we explained once before, that uh, even though Bnei Ephraim managed to run away, they all died because they lost their connection to any kind of chiefs. So, Israel, on the contrary, I think the lesson for Bnei Ephraim would have just uh, clarified to Israel that it wasn't worth trying to run away. So, from Israel's point of view, they didn't come out of Israel. They, wasn't, uh, they didn't have the means, so to speak, to get themselves out of Israel. When Moish and Aaron come as the leaders of Klai Yisrael, in the natural course of events, they also couldn't have taken Klai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. Because the normal thing that should have happened is probably should have killed them at the end of the story. They weren't protected. They weren't protected. Right? And, and uh, that even before we get to the Makkas. Right? And therefore, what the Chav is trying to show is the whole setup of the Mitzrayim Mitzrayim has to have been something which was divinely orchestrated. Number one, it couldn't have been done any other way. Number two, like we said, <laughs> Pari went along with the plan. Kilo, Paro played the passive sheep the whole way through. He begs much like the Makkah away. Moshe brings the next Makkah. Now please take it away, Moshe. I'll promise I'll do whatever you want. We, we're talking about a Stalin. We're not talking about a person who's a weak person. right? He never tries to fight back. He never tries to do anything. There, there isn't a way that Kaisal could have convinced him to be like that. Adrabah, we see here Yad Hashem. And then again, this was also predicted. This was also predicted. It wasn't random. Hashem told Moshe Merosh, I'm going to make Paro not let you go. He's going to hear, and in order to give him the Makkas. So it was also predicted, Merosh, that the way Parah is going to react was also Biyad Hashem. Again, let's go back to the Ramban. The Ramban brings this point out also. This week's Parashat, Parashat Bashalach. Parah does something absolutely ridiculous. Two things. Firstly, he decides to change Klai Yisro. Did they forget already about all the Bukharim who died? Did they forget that it wasn't worth starting with Klai Yisro? Just five days before, they were the ones who begged Klai Yisro to leave because they said, Kulon Mason, we're all going to die. And now, not a change of heart. Let's get them all back again. What they forgot? What happened? But okay, let's, let's say whatever it was that they decided to test Klai Yisrael. It gets worse than that. 
when Pari does chastise Ro, and then he sees the something which is like boggles the imagination. He sees the sea splitting in front of his eyes, and Kaisha walking into the sea. Says the Ramban, what did he think was going on? What did Pari think? Kaisha just walk into the sea and it opens for them. No one's ever heard of such a thing before. Says Ramban, I'm just quoting his words in English. He says, Al there's no bigger nest than this, that Hashem made Pari follow him into the sea. Any rational person would have said, stop, let's work with, don't run in after them, what's going on? Right? You're just running into the trap, so to speak. Why did Pari do it? Certainly very unusual for a sleep to see this, but open. So why would you, now, nah, if, if you're going to say, this is something out of the ordinary. The sea opens and people can escape from me into the sea. Why are you following them? Obviously, they have a koyach to do it. So, who's protecting you? That says there in his lashon, There's no... Yeah. Why are they going to the sea? They're sugar. But the answer is, the answer is what the man says, Hashem pushed the mitzvah into the sea. Just like he played with fire the whole way, he made him go into the sea also. You may not want to see also. Maybe one day we'll speak about why Dafka, that was the way Hashem wanted to punish Paro. It's a different drush, not for now. But the idea is the same thing. Paro was being played with like a puppet. And that's the second thing we see about the whole story. Paro doesn't act the way we'd expect him to act. Not at any stage in the We don't think of it from Paro's perspective. But if you think about it a little bit from Paro's perspective, it doesn't make sense. Not the fact like the Kazari brings. They didn't, they didn't try and punish Moshnaro. Not that he didn't, he didn't bar them from coming to the palace. At least that. Why did he let them in every time? And in the end, he did do that. When? And the Makkas were finished. Then at the very end, after nine Makkas, when Moshe warned about, uh, about the Makkas Bechorus, then eventually Pharaoh wakes up and he says, Get out, never come back again. The day you come back, you're going to die. What took you so long? What took you so long? Why are you doing it all now? The answer is, and Hashem didn't want him to do that. Moses is going to come and give you, and now the markets are finished. Okay, now you can threaten whatever you like. Any of the jobs are. Right? We see the whole way through. And same thing, Paris negotiations. If you take the flag, I'll do this. Oh, no, that? Okay, this. No, no, no. Please do this, please do that. Hashem was playing with Paris. He's like he says, Hashem is salal tibim, it's right. And that's the second thing we see Kodesh Prophet's intervention. Before we get to the markets, it's very interesting the order he brings it. Number one, there wasn't a natural way for Kodesh to leave. Number two, what Hashem did to Paris makes no sense. And then even off, that's the second point. And then the third point, the Makkas, which we all predicted, we see they were miraculous. There wasn't, a, there wasn't natural occurrences because that couldn't have been predicted with the exactitude that Moshe said it. When this is finished, this paragraph, They were led by a pillar of fire and the only covered. They didn't have any mitzvahs. This was before Matan Torah. All they had was, was passed down from tradition from the Ovis and from Adam and Nayach. That means the Shivim Sminach. They didn't invite all the mitzvahs already. Had all the mitzvahs. When other religions let people off the Right, and that's the next point he wants to say. Let me just finish the paragraph, because then we'll come back to explain what he wanted to say this for. Paro chases them. They weren't soldiers. They didn't have weapons. And what happened? The sea split for them. They went through the sea. And he drowned Paro and his army in the sea. 
And how do we know that? Because you see, after that, like someone brought them up on the shore, that Klai could see the Mitzvah did. So the story of Yisrael Mitzrayim is something which is, so to speak, replete with miracles. And now again, let's go back to the starting point just to explain what the Gazari wants. He doesn't want to just tell us a story. We know the story. He wants to show the Emun in the story. How can you make up a Mesa like this? How could you invent such a thing? Or any point of it? Right? We, uh, we, it's too absurd. So it's too absurd. It involves another country. It involves the Mitzrim. It doesn't just involve what happened to us. It involves what happened to them. There isn't, so we go to our three points of, we said, to prove the veracity of the story. Is there another explanation for what happened? No. Is there another way of explaining the facts? We can't argue with the facts. <laughs> the Kaishal did go to Mitzrayim, and it wasn't because they were laid out, it wasn't because they had a way to fight. It happened through all these miracles. Is there a way to explain the miracles without saying they're miraculous? No. We haven't seen things like this before. Is there a different explanation for how things could have happened? Also not. Has it ever been equaled? We haven't got any other accounts of the same. And therefore, being able to say such a story, being able to say such a story is already a point of Imunah. It happened to the whole nation. They all went through this experience. They all saw what happened. right? And uh, it, th- that itself is the evidence that it has to have been orchestrated by Hashem. Such a story couldn't have been invented. That's basically what the, the first part of the Gazari's argument. The one point we left out is, uh, we'll, talk when, we'll talk about tomorrow, Be'ez Hashem, is the line he throws in the middle that Moshe added to the mystery, didn't take away from them. That's another important point to talk about. Be'ez Hashem will talk about that tomorrow.